Today's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 18, which can be found on page 1219 of the Church Bibles. So that's page 1219, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for, the, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. This is God's word. Alex, thank you. Um, it is a, a joy to be here. I'm sorry that you get me of all the um, exotic commission uh, uh, preachers that you could have got. It's like, oh, Scott, again. I do get that. So that's all right. Don't worry. I feel it too. Um, but it is, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joy, a joy to be with you. So um, let's pray as we look at, look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for a glorious hope. We praise you for a hope that, that stretches into eternity that shapes our everyday now. Father, as we, as we think about it, as we think how we better share it, would you fill our hearts with love for the Lord Jesus, with a love for others that would reach out uh, in speaking that hope to them. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I'm not gonna play with this microphone because Jacob always used to tell me off for doing it. So I'm gonna leave it there, Jacob, don't worry. Um, let me ask you, at the beginning of uh, a new year, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Maybe you're, you're waiting something, uh, for something in your work life. Uh, maybe the, the, ne- the next promotion or a dream job. Maybe you're waiting to graduate and start on working life. Maybe, maybe you're looking forward to um, waiting to, to move house. Maybe you've got your eye on a, on a flat. Maybe you're going to buy somewhere, probably 100 miles away, but never mind. Um, maybe you're waiting for a great holiday or for something big in, in your life in, in terms of your family. Maybe you're waiting to get married or for kids or for the kids to move out. That's just me. My kids are five and four, re- looking, looking, <laughs> waiting, waiting for that. What, what are you waiting for? We feel the wait, don't we? It's why um, New Year can often be a hard time of year, because it feels like maybe you're still waiting. Maybe it feels like you've gone backwards in the things that you're waiting for. Why do I ask that? Well, because we talk about what we're waiting for. 
It fills our minds and it fills our conversations. So if there's, um, if there's a new baby um, coming to your family, well, you, you'll tell people about that. You'll share the joy. I'm going I'm to be an uncle or I'm going to be a, a mom or a dad. If you're um, about to start your dream job, you'll tell people about how excited you are about that. This is, this is the job I've been waiting for, been working for, for a long time. You talk about what you're waiting for. The Bible says that whatever else you and I are waiting for, we are all waiting for Jesus to come back. And Jesus is coming back. History is not destined to just endlessly repeat you get to New Year and you think another year has gone by. History will not just repeat, repeat. History has an end date. Do you want to know when it is? Get your, get your diaries out, I'm going to tell you. No, I'm not. Um, the, the Bible says we don't know when Jesus is coming back, but he will come back. If we're waiting for Jesus to come back, well, it impacts everything. 1 Peter, which we're just dipping into for this, uh, this one sermon, is all about, or one of the big things it's all about, is Jesus coming back. Jesus, the saviour who suffered and died for the unrighteous to make us his holy people, is coming back. And in the meantime, this life will often be hard. There'll be suffering. There'll be persecution. Because salvation, in that sense, is still to come. It is future. And so Peter urges these Christians, don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus is coming back. Jesus' return is, is what keeps you going when you experience suffering. Jesus' return is what keeps you going when you endure persecution for speaking about Jesus. Jesus' return is what keeps you going when living distinctively among your friends is just hard work. Let me show you very briefly how that um, sort of plays out in 1 Peter. And we'll have the verses on the screen, I think. Um, Peter starts his letter by saying, look, salvation is still to come. Christian, you've been born again into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter says salvation, it's, it's future. So endure now so that your faith will, will result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Salvation is, is future, and that changes how you live now. Chapter four, verse seven. The end of all things is near, Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. It's what enables you to keep going through suffering. Chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Why? So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. It's the reason why you labor on in service of God's people. Chapter five, verse four, elders are to serve well because when the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus comes back, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Jesus coming back, that is what we are waiting for. And if we're gonna have an impact for Christ in London, if we're gonna reach the millions of people in this city who do not know him, if we're gonna take risks um, to plant new churches so that more people have that opportunity to hear about him. Well, we need to know that Jesus is coming back. And when we know that, well, we'll live differently. Particularly here in, in chapter three of 1 Peter, it will impact how we speak about Jesus, how we speak about him to those who don't yet know him. 
And so uh, turning then to our verses, given that Jesus is coming back and that we're waiting for Jesus to come back, three things we're going to see this evening. Don't fear the world's threats. Set apart Christ as Lord and be ready to speak about your hope. Firstly then, don't fear the world's threats. Verse 13, we're just looking at these middle um, verses that Alex read for us. Verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Peter's just been urging the Christians to live good lives. But that doesn't mean that they'll be immune from, from suffering because they are still living differently to the rest of the world. And so Peter calls them, do not fear their threats. If you look in the little footnote in your Bible, um, it could also be translated, do not fear what they fear. Do not fear their threats or do not fear what they fear. It's sort of the same thing. The thing that the world fears is the thing that the world will threaten God's people with. What is the world afraid of? Well, our society at the minute is, is afraid of, of being cancelled. Afraid of, of being found on the wrong side of history. And that's, that's what they'll threaten with. That's what the world will threaten with. If, if you don't fall into line with the world's, world's values, we'll cancel you. We'll remove your platform, whether that's Twitter or university campus or, or your workplace. If you insist on speaking about Jesus, well, we'll get HR on it. And those threats can feel very real. I mean, who, who, who wants to do that? Who wants to go through that? And if you're anything like me, the fear so often stops you from speaking. Especially maybe in the context of 1 Peter here, we can be afraid to speak about Jesus coming back. We're just afraid of being labeled a weird Christian. You know, one of those, those weird Christians who, I, I mean, I grew up in Northern Ireland, there were plenty of weird Christians. People would, would walk around um, with, with sort of, you know, A-frame placards on them with Bible verses, probably that one in 1 Peter, the end is, the end is nigh. It was, always in, it was always in old-fashioned language because it makes it sound more scary. Or, you know, on, on every, you know, you'd, you'd be driving or getting the bus to school and every other tree along the way, it's rural, um, there's lots of trees. There would, there would be, you know, there would be Bible verses on, on signs. I don't know if, um, if you've seen the film Belfast, um, Kenneth Branagh's sort of autobiography autobiographical um, account of his, his growing up in whatever it was, the 60s, um, 60s and 70s in Belfast. Now look, I, don't, um, I, don't, I never lived in Belfast. I, um, my house has never been petrol bombed. I have never met Jimmy Dornan. I don't know where he lives, so don't ask me. Um, but lots in that film was familiar. Um, I, I would highly recommend it. It is great. Um, in one scene, um, little Buddy, so K- Kenneth Branagh's character, Buddy, Kenneth Branner in the film, um, is a sort of six, seven-year-old little boy, and he gets dragged along to church with his gran, Judy Dench, not Northern Irish, but has a good go at a Northern Irish accent. Um, he gets dragged along to church, and there's this sort of typical um, fire and brimstone preacher, you know, sort of sweat dripping off him, t- um, you know, telling people you, there are two roads, you've got to, you know, you either go down the narrow road that, 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 that leads to heaven or you take the wide road that leads to hell. And poor little buddy, that's a picture of him, that's what he looks like. I get really paranoid that I look like him, um, uh, but, um, so I'm not going to do that with my mouth. Um, and poor little buddy's terrified, you know, he, he can't remember 
um, when, when he goes home, he can't remember which road he's supposed to take. He gets all sort of, um, all sort of uh, confused. Anyway, the point, why have I gone on about that? Um, it, in the film, it sort of is a caricature of that sort of style of, 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 of preaching, but also of the message itself. And, and as I watch it, I just well, I sort of shrink a little bit and I think, oh, I, I, I don't want to be that, do I? Do I, oh, do I want to be seen like that? Do I want to be that sort of Christian? And it just makes me stay silent. We don't speak for fear of, of, of being labeled a, 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 a radical or just odd. We certainly don't speak about Jesus coming back as judge. But the Bible tells us Jesus is coming back. So don't fear their threats. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be silenced by fear. What's the alternative? Well, here Peter urges them, verse 15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. That's our second point. Set apart Christ as Lord. Revere him. Set, set him apart Count him as different to all the other voices. He is not just one of many voices trying to tell you how to live, but he is the one voice who really matters. Who actually gets to tell you how to live your life? Who is your Lord? Some voices matter more than others, don't they? It is easy to fear those who we feel have massive sway over us big influence, whether that's your boss or your parents or your peers. But when you think about it, what in the light of Jesus' return, the fact that he is coming back, what is the worst that they can do? I guess they, they could make you feel a bit uncomfortable as they sort of look sideways at you. But even if they did that, even, even if they take it up a gear and they, they report you to your superior or they take it to HR, they cannot take away the eternal rewards that Jesus will bring when he comes back. And that is why it really matters for our evangelism, for our speaking of Jesus, that he is coming back. Because the Lord Jesus is the Lord of the whole universe and all of time. And he is coming back and every eye will see him and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So who are we going to listen to? Peter says, set apart Christ as lords. But it, it, he says that not just, it's not just about rank. It's not who's, you know, who's the boss. He's also asking the question, who do you love? Who gets the first place in your heart, in your affections? Who is it that you want to please more than any other? It's hard, isn't it? Sometimes the, the, the people who don't want us to speak about Jesus are the people that we love. They're members of our family, some of our closest friends, people who have loved us. And of course, but of course, no one has loved us as much as Jesus. The Lord Jesus has given his life for you and me. He isn't just the big boss who we need to listen to. He is your savior. He is the one who loves you. And if we're able to, to set apart him to say, no, he's the one I'm gonna love, and listen to above all, well, then you are able to say, I'm, I'm not going to fear your threats. I'm not going to fear what you fear because Christ has the first place in my heart and I live to please him. So I'm going to speak of him.
Thirdly then, be ready to speak about your hope. Be ready to speak about your hope. Verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, when, when Christ is first in your heart, you will live differently. And Peter expects that that will bring questions. People will see that and ask, why do you live like that? Why are you able to keep going through the hard times? And if we're trusting in Christ, then we're to be ready to give an answer. There are lots of ways um, you might go about answering a question about, about your faith. Let me encourage you from, from 1 Peter, why not try speaking about Jesus' return? It's not often our go-to, is it? Certainly not my go-to, but, but that is the hope. That is our hope, that Jesus is coming back. A hope that is, is not just a sort of wishful thinking. You know, not, not a sort of, oh, I hope, um, I hope the weather will be less rainy next week than it was last week. It's not a sort of a vague, wishful thinking. The same word here for hope, could, you could also translate it expectation. Give a reason for your expectation. That is, I expect that the Lord Jesus will come back. What keeps me going when life is difficult is looking forward to Jesus coming back. Because then all those difficult things will be no more. What keeps me wanting to live my life for Jesus is looking forward to when he comes back and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Certain hope, that sort of expectation that Jesus gives, is found in no one else and in no other worldview. We've certainly found that up, up in Wembley Park as, as we're very slowly and beginning to learn how to reach the, the diverse communities that are there. No other worldview gives that hope, that certain hope. So the Muslim might be able to say, maybe, maybe my God will be merciful, maybe. The Hindu can only say, well, maybe I'll be reincarnated as something better, maybe. The secular humanist, maybe everyone will just learn to get along. But trust in Jesus gives a real hope, a certain hope, an expectation that when he returns, you and I can share in his glory. And that is a wonderful hope to share with others. Nothing else gives them that hope. It's a wonderful hope to share. It's not a hope that makes us proud or smug, which is why Peter calls us to do that, to speak of our hope with gentleness and respect. So it's not about being pushy or aggressive. I guess some of us might need to hear that, just chill out, rein it back a little bit. But actually, for most of us, I guess, we're probably being, we're so gentle and respectful that we don't actually ever get to, to say anything. But we must be like Christ as we seek to share this hope, mustn't we? We must be patient and gentle, even with the most hostile of enemies and opponents. We must speak the truth in love. We must contend with courage, but also with gentleness. We do that, Peter says, keeping a clear conscience. We're to do it for the right reasons. 
It's very easy to, to, to do evangelism for the wrong reasons, isn't it? Maybe to want a good story. We had an email um, this week. You know, we got a contact form on the website. Ooh, fancy. Um, got an email from, from a guy from a Turkish background who basically emailed in and said, I, I think I want to become a Christian. Can I get baptized? Okay, we, I had never met him before. He had never been to our church. He had been to another church. And then, you know, it, it, none of it, all, all we had done was we had a website that had an email address on it and we happened to be where he lived, okay? So we can take, we can take no credit. What was my reaction? Um, I, I, my, my first reaction was, yes, this Sunday is Commission Sunday and I, it would be great to have a good story about how our little church plant is reaching people and so many people are coming to Christ. So, you know, this is great. And, I mean, and he's, from, he's from a Turkish background, you know, he, like all this I almost, I almost emailed him back to say, yes, we'll fit you in Sunday morning and we'll get Ben to take some photos and I'll show them at CCM on Sunday evening. Um, I, I, I didn't say that, but... My default, as I got this email, was to make it about me and my church. We can often do that in evangelism, can't we? We can, we can, we can have wrong motives. We want to do it so that, so that we've got a story to tell or so that other people at church think we're great for, for bringing a friend along. But if we remember that Jesus is coming back, well, that, that soon gets rid of all our wrong motives, doesn't it? I was really challenged. One day, this guy who had emailed, I've never met him, he's hopefully coming next week. One day, this guy will stand before Jesus. He will answer to him. And so in our efforts to, to share the gospel, it is always about other people, people who are lost without Jesus. It's about God's glory, but it's about loving people to do it with a a clear conscience, to keep a clear conscience. So we are to speak about the hope that we have. Doesn't mean that that speaking about Jesus suddenly becomes easy and, and everyone will love it. Everyone will love it when you start sharing your hope. They'll, they'll suddenly be like, why have you never shared it like this before? People will still talk maliciously against you. That's what Peter warns the Christians here. But he says, they'll be ashamed of it. The message of the gospel is offensive, even when you share it in a gentle, respectful way. And if people don't want to hear it, or they just think you're nuts, or they just want to make your life difficult, well, one day they will stand before the Lord Jesus as their judge and they'll answer to him. And just think how Jesus dealt with opposition. He did it. He, he, he always spoke with gentleness and respect, with courage. He gave people the truth and yet he endured such opposition. Peter points us to that. He says, this Jesus, he endured suffering and insults and false accusations what did he, he, he entrusted himself to his father. He spoke to people for their good. They might have rejected him, but he always told them the truth with, with gentleness and with courage. And so our job, regardless of the response, is to speak of our hope. That I guess is in our better moments what we want to be doing as individuals. It's what those who have, who have gone to to Wembley Park want to be doing in Wembley Park. I know it's what many here want to be doing 
in your networks, in your communities. Lots of, lots of you are doing it already and doing it brilliantly. Keep going. Keep going even when people speak ill of you, even when people accuse you of things. Keep going. And for those of us for whom maybe the, the thought of speaking to our, um, our colleagues or our flatmates about Jesus just fills us with fear, give it a go. Why not give it a go? Do not fear what they fear. Do not fear their threats. What is the worst that could happen when the Lord Jesus is coming back? Give it a go. Speak about your hope. And if we, if we do that, if we all commit to doing that, if all the Christians across Commission looking at these verses today, 3,000 plus, if we were all ready this week to speak about our hope, who knows how God might use that to reach London for Christ? We have a wonderful hope, don't we? Hope of eternity with the Lord Jesus when he comes back. Let's endeavor this year to speak of that hope, to speak of the Lord Jesus, to love people for the glory of God. Should we pray together for the Lord's help to do that? Heavenly Father, we praise you that the Lord Jesus is coming back. That our salvation, wonderful as it is already now, will get even better. It is still to come. It is future. Father, we long for that day when the Lord Jesus returns. In the meantime, Lord, whether, we, um, whether life is going well for us, whether we face suffering or persecution, would we long to speak of our hope? Father, our hope that the world can't give and and often doesn't understand, and yet a hope that stretches into eternity. Father, help us when we feel afraid to set apart Christ as Lord, to know that he is the one that we live to please. Father, please make us bold, make us courageous, make us love people enough to want to speak of that hope. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.